0: On this edition of the Scott Radley Show podcast, we are talking about the idea of a an election. The leader of the Bloc Québécois says he wants to push to create an election, topple the government. Really? Is that going to work? Is is anybody going to align with the Bloc? Would an election solve anything? Would it change anything? Well, we'll talk about that. Also, Don Robertson joins us as he does every Monday night, except today it's not just sports. We're also going to be talking about the finance minister resigning because Yeah, that's happened too. Lots coming up. Stick around on the podcast. Today on the Scott Radley Show on 900 CHML. Rare that the BQ at any time drives conversation outside the province of Quebec, let alone kind of in the middle of summer when nobody's really paying attention. But I got to wondering whether this could actually happen and what it would mean. And does it change anything? I want to bring in Stephen LeDrew. He is a former president of the Liberal Party of Canada. He is now a political commentator. You can find him all over the place, but he has three-minute interviews on YouTube, which are very fascinating to watch. Um, Stephen, thanks for doing this today. Always appreciate it.
1: Always really, really good to talk with you. And it's a good intro because, you know, you asked the question, Scott, could this happen? And you and I have watched politics long enough to know anything could happen.
0: Is anything probably, could happen.
1: probably going to happen? Probably not. And you know one of the reasons why I think not?
0: Go. The
1: NDP have no money.
0: <laughs> well, does any party? I mean, other than, I don't know that any party right now is looking like they are in glorious shape.
1: Well, the Conservative Party um, has been in really good financial shape for the last 20 years. I don't know their most recent um, uh, balance uh, sheet, but I suspect they have no debt, which means that they can certainly borrow money. I know that political parties have always borrowed money for their campaigns, the NDP, though, uh, they have no real ability to uh, to borrow money, and they are in debt. Uh, the Liberals, I don't know. I think they may have some debt. but um, So I think this is just a lot of hot air, uh, the NDP out uh, of the uh, block, um, And he got some great press for it. A lot of people, he got reactions, Scott, because a lot of people say, yeah, let's have an election because I can't throw those bums out of Ottawa.
0: Well, yes and no. So a few weeks ago there was a poll that we talked about on the show here, uh, and it had two parts to it. And let me go to the first part first. And that was the majority of Canadians said they didn't want to go to the polls right now. And I got thinking and I thought, okay, is it a grudging satisfaction with the government? Is it COVID that makes them not want to do it? Is it a election slash politics fatigue? I'm not really sure, but there's got to be some reason they don't want to do it.
1: Well, it's probably all the above and a bunch of other ones too. I mean, no one likes to talk about elections in the summertime, um, some astute uh, poll responders might have said, well, we don't even know who the Conservative leader is, so we don't want to have an election knowing uh, or not knowing who uh, we could be actually putting into power. Uh, that would be a smart observation. Um, and uh, and I think that an election would only serve to mire Canada in the mud even more, make us more look more like a banana republic. I mean, I just think that what's coming out of Ottawa almost every day is stunning. It's stunning how, how corrupt uh, the Trudeau party is and how some of the ministers are self-dealing with themselves. And um, I just think that uh, that you know, no one wants to really expose all of that. I mean, in due time, the Tories want to, the NDP want to, but not right now.
0: Well, okay. So the caveat, when I said the poll had two parts, the first was that yeah. generally people don't want to go to the poll right now. The caveat was, and this was taken probably three weeks ago, this poll that if the ethics commissioner came back with a guilty ruling about the Wee scandal, they would be up for it. However, that was three weeks ago, and we know that people today, Stephen, have the attention span of a garden gnat. Today, there's a poll out by Main Street Research that says, you know what? Apparently, the Liberals are back up to a double-digit lead. Wee is in the rearview mirror. Nobody cares about it, and all of a sudden, E. francois Blanchet is suddenly quiet again, and I'm wondering if you know, we're just back to where we were and we're just going to ride this thing out now because we don't really care about these things.
1: I, I am—I have been stunned by the fact that a lot of Canadians are just so cynical about this and say, oh, you know what, well, it's always the same. Let them throw hundreds of millions of dollars away. I mean, even, even in the most, probably in the drug business, you don't get paid $30 million before you do something, which is what happened with the... Uh, with the, uh, you know, the WE executive, they got paid 30 million million, and then another uh, $20 million to a company that has nothing in Quebec except for connection to a liberal cabinet minister. I mean, the stories keep on going. MPs who are retired, getting more contracts. And I think that, um, I think people are, are actually getting weary of it, as opposed to not interested. And I think there's also a, a sort of thought that, you know, we don't want to dwell with it not, you know dwell on it right now but we're just going to throw those guys out when it comes like Bob See I'm right not sure ago.
0: I'm not sure. I, I, I would have thought I would have thought last election that numerous cases of blackface, because that blackface, unlike a lot of other scandals, blackface is one people can understand. In the States, they have sex scandals. We don't thankfully have too many sex scandals here. We don't want any of our politicians, quite frankly, being that even crazy. having sex, let alone <laughs> being in scandals. Um but but blackface was something that everybody could understand and it demonstrated a level of hypocrisy and a bunch of other things. And people yawned about that one. So Well, they They they
1: yawned about it, but the Tories did get more votes than the Liberals. So it says something about the urban writings, I think, because, um, you know, that's where the Liberal strength is in a lot of urban writings in uh, southern Ontario, and the rest of the country, I think, had some common sense, and and many people, and most of the voters in the rest of the country, thought that the Liberals should be tossed out. I always tell my Tory friends, the reason we, and when they complain about Justin, Scott, I tell them, I said, the reason we have Justin back here is because you guys mucked up in the sure. campaign. But what is fascinating, Scott, is what's going on right now with a meeting between the prime minister and the minister of finance. I think, I think somebody being very wily in Ottawa about this, Scott.
0: Why would now be the time you would threaten to try and topple the liberals? Because I don't think you could find anybody to join with you.
1: Well, I think you're absolutely right on that. So I think that it was partly a tension. Secondly, he may be establishing some moral high ground for himself in the next election because the, the Block did so well in the last election, uh, to everybody's surprise, that I don't think, Scott, that he is trying to get even more seats in Quebec right now. Um, I mean, you always want more seats, but uh, they did so darn well. I think he may be just saying, you know what, I'm just sort of casting this, the shot out there across the about. I think that uh, he said Trudeau was corrupt, and he is uh, laying the groundwork for uh, the next election by saying that he wants one now, and here are the reasons why. So we can next election, he can say, well, I told you so, and we said mm. this way back then, and uh, we stand by it now.
0: And because it would be, it, there is high political risk still to any Canadian political party that would align themselves with the bloc, correct? You're taking That's your your reputation in your hands if you do anything with the Bloc, Ubiqua?
1: Absolutely. I mean, they're like a skunk at a garden party for the rest of Canada, as well they should be. (laughs) I always take offense at the fact that the Bloc gets paid, you know, with taxpayers' money. People across the country pay their taxes to Ottawa, and Ottawa gives money to the Bloc to fund their chances of breaking up Canada. I mean... That is really stupid. It's like, it's like Britain, in some of the story the other day, they are giving money for aid to China. Britain you know, is so, so in debt. China has so much money threatening Britain on the high seas, and somehow some bureaucrat is still funneling aid. It's, it's craziness.
0: But Okay, so the flip side of this, though, is as much as I don't know that you'd be able to find a party that would align itself with the bloc, at least their leader is out there doing something. I've been shocked through the last number of months in Ontario with Doug Ford, with the uh, the other parties, not the Conservatives, yep. and in on, in Ottawa with the parties other than the Liberals, that you allow the leader of the governing party to get up on a podium day after day after day after day and absorb all the spotlight and take all the glory, and that the other parties. With a few exceptions here and there, just sit back and let it happen. I've been shocked that they haven't tried to do more to well, nose in and get themselves into the spotlight.
1: I hear that, but Scott, I think you gave the answer yourself. When at the start of this section, you went through the leadership of the other parties, and you know it's it's pretty it's pretty meager. So who is going to stand up? I mean, uh, that very decent guy who's resigning as the leader of the Conservative Party uh, has been trying, but he hasn't getting much. He's not getting much. Um, you know, much of a total Traction. hold on that one. Yeah, yeah. And our provincial leaders uh, are sitting there with their cap in hand to the federal government to try to help them out of this, and also, to everybody's credit, um, they are met with a pandemic, something that you know, we haven't seen before to this extent uh, for at least 100 years, and no one knows what the heck is going on. And uh, I just think they were all just, they were probably just scared witless, and um, you know, just wanted to deal with what they had in front of them. But now that's fair, why I'm rapidly leaving, Scott.
0: Fair enough, but of all the leaders that I thought might have an opportunity to make some hay here or at least do something, it was yeah. Jugmeet Singh, and he has been almost—that I've seen—almost entirely absent.
1: Yeah, but remember, he got bought off by the Liberals. The reason that the Liberals are getting a, a you know a, at least uh, the, the less criticism now than they otherwise would be is that Parliament has not sat for months and months and months. You know, you don't have parliamentarians standing up in the House after the prime minister and his corrupt ministers. Or some are corrupt, not all are. And the reason being, the liberals bat the NDP out. Let's just remind your listeners, uh, the NDP said, we agree to this uh, exercise of not having parliament because the liberals said when parliament does come back, we are going to push for 10 more sick days per a union member per year.
0: Yeah, it doesn't seem like it's that much of a payment to stand back and acquiesce and disappear into the background, quite honestly. And, you know, once you'd made that deal, I thought, boy, you have an opportunity here to, if you're Jugmeet Singh, to really, as I say, make some hay and, and cut into the left flank of what's going on in Canada. And, and he's been absent. I've been very surprised.
1: Well, I, I, you, you make a very, very good point on that, but it goes back to my original point, Scott. They have no money. So they, they one they made a deal and two they don't want any possibility of an election.
0: It is um, it is it is tr- tricky though because again nobody I don't think wants an election right now, and as a result um, y- these parties that made a lot of hay about the fact that the liberals won only a minority government are letting them govern as a majority and you're not and there's nothing you can do about it. I mean it's essentially a majority government.
1: Yes, you're absolutely right. But Aaron O'Toole, who's a candidate for the, and I'm not, you know, pushing for either of them. There's only two in the forefront for the Conservative Party. Uh, is saying, quoted is saying, uh, you saw as as well as I did, Scott. That um, make him leader, and he's going to really look carefully at the possibility of a fall election. And so, yeah, we'll
0: we'll see we'll see. I mean, look, I, I we gotta we gotta go. Unfortunately, I'm not sure there's much of an appetite for an election period. But that said, I don't know then if you're one of the opposition parties how you do anything if you're scared of calling an election or toppling the government. I don't know what you do at this point.
1: Let me throw this at you, Scott, because if the Liberals pull off this gamut that's going on right now, if they get rid of their Minister of Finance and somehow it clears the deck and somehow it's no longer about corruption but it's about government spending and Trudeau's going to remind everybody how much money he gave them through the pandemic and they go up the polls the Liberals may want a fall election.
0: Uh, that is abs- yeah. That is absolutely true. That is absolutely true. Stephen LeDrew, absolutely. love having you on. Thanks for taking the time today. Always appreciate it. Always a great pleasure to chat with you. Bye, Scott. You're listening to the Scott Radley Show podcast on 900 CHML. It is time to bring in our friend Don Robertson, owner, operator, manager, coach, everything else of the Dundas Real McCoys of Com Choice Realty many other things that he does in town sir how are you today <laughs> i'm good scott how are you no i'm 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 dry i'm in the basement i'm i'm at home doing the show from the basement i didn't even know today that it was raining i didn't realize until will just said in the news that it's pouring rain that there's actually precipitation out there
2: well we didn't get much rain where, where i was in burlington i was all over today and i didn't see any rain but i'm home now and i had to come to the shop Susie's three crazy redheaded kids are here and Thank goodness Aaron's here with the grandkids. They're pretty normal, but I had to get out.
0: So here I set <laughs> had sit, to, escape shop. to the garage. Well, you yeah, know what happens. No. it happens. Yeah, it happens uh, earlier. I, th- I was going to th- go ahead. No, no, after you.
2: I uh, listening to your quiz question. Here is the prediction I have: that less than half of the people at Woodstock will remember who the last performer was.
0: That could be too. Don't eat the little what is it? The little brown pills was what they told you not to eat, the not to take the brown ones, I think. It's bad maybe acid. Jared yeah, thought, ah. hmm. uh, maybe. Yeah. I've been there. I actually um, for, let's see, 1989. So 31 years ago, I was driving around and doing a bunch of silly stuff in the States, and I went to the site of Woodstock. And Don, I was one of the morons who didn't realize <laughs> at that time, because I was sort of only half paying attention. That uh, Woodstock was not in Woodstock. It was in Bethel, sure. New York. So I pull into West Woodstock at first thinking, hey, I'll go see the field. And then was promptly reminded, yes, it was in the town of Bethel because Woodstock pulled their permits or something a few months before the They the had festival. to move it, right? Yeah. They had to. And when I got there, now they've built it all up. I've, I've seen some pictures since then. And now they've got a big stage and a performing arts center and monuments. When I was there, all they had there was one little monument about the size of a two-person kitchen table that if you can picture the logo from Woodstock, it had the the, the dove with the the fern or yep. whatever in its mouth. Um, there was that on the field and there was an old, old, old hippie who would take your picture on the field for with your camera for like two bucks. Give him a couple bucks and he'll take your picture for you. And that's, I guess, how he made his money to... Well, I don't know if he was still dropping the brown acid or not, but um, to to do whatever he was doing at that place. So, yeah, so you could go and get your picture taken and and Wavy Gravy or whatever his name was would uh, would take your picture for you. (laughs) Did you do it? Absolutely, I did. Yeah, I've got a picture with... uh, me giving the peace sign. I was I was barely alive for Woodstock. Like it, it seems a little ridiculous for me to be posing for a picture at the field. I mean, I w- I almost could have been conceived at Woodstock. Let alone I wasn't. By the way, just you know, in case anyone's wondering, that was not really my parents' thing. Um, but you know, (laughs) so many parts, so many parts of that might not have been my parents thing, but, um, yeah, no, it's, uh, but no, it's, it's, it's kind of cool. It was, it was, it is amazing to think when you go there that you could have fit four or 500,000 people into that area. Well, it's not huge.
2: People have a tendency to exaggerate the amount of people that are there when there really is no count.
0: But there are lots of right. pictures and there's lots of video.
2: Yeah, and there's and there was a lot of people. So yep, it was. There were was a lot of people. Looked like a lot of fun.
0: Well, it did and it didn't. It looked like a lot of fun if, as I say, if you were in a brown acid and mud, um, and and music. I mean, the music was uh, the music was good, I guess. I mean, I've watched the concert videos and everything else, but I, you know, maybe it's just my age, Don. I don't know. Maybe when I was nineteen or twenty or twenty-one, a weekend in a pile of mud would have seemed more appetizing while it was pouring rain on me uh today maybe i've just reached a level of uh luxury or not luxury that's not the word comfort comfort would be the word where that idea just doesn't sound all that enticing
2: well how you live compared to that is luxury but i understand what you're saying <clears throat> it would be, well yeah, i wonder how many yeah. the, i wonder how many of the
0: artists are still around won't be many Uh, there's some, but yes, to your point, if you're, if you're saying the way I live is better than that. Yes. I, my house is better than a field of mud, (laughs) but you can, where, where people want to imagine my house being how much better they want to imagine it being. That's up to them. But uh, yes, it is better than an open field of mud. Um, yeah, many of the artists are still around. I mean, um, CCR is still around, or at least many of the guys are still around the who, um, You know, Sha Na Na was the second last act. Now, don't say who was the last act because that's our quiz question tonight. But Sha Na Na was the second last act to perform, which just seems ridiculous. I mean, I think of Sha Na Na as kind of a goofy show that was on Sunday nights on TV with Bowser. And they were (laughs) the second last, the penultimate act at Woodstock. And I'll tell here, Don, Here's we, we are going to get to sports, but here's the most ridiculous thing ever. Years ago, 10, 11 years ago, our family went on a cruise for the very first time. We'd never been on a cruise. It was a surprise, saved the money, took the family on the cruise. And I'm getting ready for dinner or getting ready, I guess. Yeah, for dinner, I guess. And they put on your bed, anyone who's been on a cruise, they know that the next day's activity, itinerary gets put on your bed while you're at dinner. And I, my wife is in the bathroom getting ready and I, lo- I start flipping through it and all of a sudden I said, holy cow, the performer that night was Bowser <laughs> on the ship. And I thought, I thought he was dead by now, but no, he was still, he was still going. And that night, the lineup to get an autograph and a photo with Bowser was three or 400 people long. And I'm thinking, where do you put a photo of yourself with Bowser? <laughs> It's, it's not up next to your picture of you with one of the presidents or with Wayne Gretzky. You could, you could put yours with a picture of you at the peace sign at Woodstock. I suppose with me and Bowser and a peace sign and (laughs) yeah, I, I, actually who, who, who waits an hour to get a photo with an autograph of Bowser in, in whatever that would have been, 2010 or thereabouts. It just, it seemed a little, um, a little, yeah, a little odd, a little odd. Speaking of photos, and again, I'm getting way off track. Are, are you a guy who gets photos done with? So if you meet a celebrity, do you go out of your way to get a photo done? No,
2: no. I uh, I've been pretty blessed uh, from a sports standpoint to meet a bunch of them, and I kind of—I guess I'm a true Canadian. You should kind of try and act a little bit normal near a celebrity. Now, of course, my, i mean, if it's an absolute superstar, at uh, Ryan Ellis's. A tournament there two or three years ago, when I commented the show afterwards. Uh, Bob Yor was there, and yep. um, I'd, I'd had the opportunity to play golf with Mr. Rohr about 20 years before that, and he was played enough to pretend to remember. And got thinking, you know what, I might not see this legend again. So I asked if I get a picture, and he said absolutely. This very classy guy, but that's about the extent of it. You know, I'm not, I'm not big on that. So
0: you, you and me both. And that's, it's funny you mention him because the one picture, well, no, I have two, uh, the two pictures that I have of me with celebrities, that one, I was interviewing Bobby Orr at that tournament that you were at. And I didn't pose for a photo. Gary Yokoyama, who was a photographer at the spectator took a photo of me talking to him without me knowing it. But I love that picture now of me talking to Bobby or. And the, uh, the other one I have was from the summer of 1988 when I was working for the Canadian National Exhibition and they brought the, well, that was when Wheel of Fortune was huge and they brought a Wheel of Fortune show to the X and I got my picture taken with Vanna White. Well, those are my two, yeah. those are my two celebrity photos that I took. A little well, different I'd each one.
2: I'd probably be more, more impressed with Bobby yours, but Vanna White. Slightly. Certainly Slightly. famous in her own right.
0: Slightly. And I've got two other people that I've got on my list that if I ever were to meet them, they would be people I would take my picture with and that's it. One of them is Paul McCartney. If I ever meet Paul McCartney, I'm taking a picture, I don't care. And the other one is my all-time sports hero, which is Bernie Perron, the former Flyers goalie. Otherwise, there's nobody else that really, and Don Robertson, of course.
2: Well, there you go. That that one's coming There's
0: There's my trio. I understand. Uh okay, let's get on to some sports stuff here since that's what we're supposed to do and now it's 7:18 and we've uh, blown a quarter of this segment. Um CFL today announced they're not going to have a season. And it all seems to stem from the fact that they couldn't get some government money and I uh, you know there's people who are blaming this person and that person and Uh, Do you blame anyone, or is this just a reality when you're the CFL and you are a league that seems to be going from year to year and scraping by that this is the kind of thing that happens?
2: I don't know much of the details uh, of it, Scott, because, I mean, at one point they were asking for just a ton of money, and now they were asking for a $30 million interest-free loan. And I, for the life of me, can't figure out how you can't put that deal together. I'd love to have a crack at that deal. I'm sure I could have put it together because I like doing deals. But, I mean, one of the things I think you have to sell on that deal is, uh, first of all, let's take a look at the income tax we're going to collect. So what are we giving up? So would it be fair to say that um, a third of the players' salaries would go to income tax? I mean, are they losing $10 million in income tax? I mean, you don't have a lot of HST because they're not selling tickets. They're not selling hamburgers, hot dogs, beer, but you're losing the income tax component of it. And I always think that has to factor into anything you're going to do. And what about the the long-term?
0: Don, what about the long-term income tax? Because if the league does suffer and if for some reason it can't return, well, that's years now of income tax you could lose.
2: Well, and that's I mean, that, that. That's an extension of the original article or the argument, rather. But if I mean truthfully, if you look at it, there is, and, and I am not the single largest CFL fan in the world, but I certainly have great respect, respect and appreciation for the heritage of it. I mean, it is our only true national professional sport. The other argument is is that i don't think i don't think they gave money to anybody else like you know the jays didn't get it the leafs didn't get it the nhl didn't get it rather you know what i mean so they didn't really do it for anybody else but they were asking for a 30 million dollar loan and they have helped countless businesses stay alive so they keep so they would keep people working the government was and still and still are to a certain extent Paying seventy-five percent of your wages if your income is down. So even if they only ever got seventy-five percent of the wages, I mean that's a math question. But you know all all they we were going to lose was interest on thirty million dollars. I I I think somebody somebody blew it. I think they should have played a partial schedule, and I don't know what happened with it. Something something got gummed up, and I I don't know who did it or who's responsible for it, but doesn't make any sense not to lend them $30 million to get some return on income tax dollars and keep the heritage of the CFL going. Because there may be some casualties to this. You know, I mean, it's not well, the strongest league in the world.
0: No. If MLSC
2: mom- aren't paying the bills for the Argos and uh, Bob Young um, doesn't want to carry on running the Hamilton Ticats, I'm... I'm going to go out on a real small limb and think there's no lineup to take over the Thai cats, and who can afford to lose the cash he likely
0: loses every year. If you look at, and, and by the way, for the record, I support the league not giving money to the to the CFL. Uh, I, I don't believe they should have got free money. But $30 million after you've spent $350 billion and it's alone. Don, my only conclusion with this, and I wrote this for, for the paper and online, the three, the four cities where the CFL is biggest, where the attendance is biggest and where it's the greatest passion, Regina, Calgary, Edmonton, Winnipeg, four and cities no that seat. are no liberal seats or almost no liberal seats, certainly not in Saskatchewan or in Alberta and in, in, um, Winnipeg, the numbers have of Liberals dropped considerably in the last election and Conservatives went up. I truly believe that if this had been a league that was huge in Toronto and huge in Montreal and huge in Ottawa, they would have found a way to make this work. But there's no motivation for the Liberal Party right now. And I'm not saying it's malice. I'm saying they just don't, they don't see any political capital there. So why do it?
2: Yeah, but I'm with you. I mean, give them the $30 million loan. And, and, it, and, and you know, I, I heard people, a couple of guys say today, well, you know, they're all millionaires. Well, you know what? Some of those teams out west, the successful ones, are community based teams. Like, they're, they're, they're not, it's not Bob Young and David Braley. Can Bob Young and David Braley afford to do it? Of course they can afford to do it, but they're businessmen, and they wanted a partner, and they wanted an interest free loan. To your point, if you're going to hand out $350 billion or whatever the crazy number has been, and I'm not arguing that that was ever a bad idea. Doug Ford's doing it. Everybody's doing it to, to, to keep things going. And we won't know how right they were for five years, but we will at some point know that they were right in doing it. It just it's, it's a damn shame that they didn't give them enough to, you know, at least play a partial season, save some credibility, and keep it going. Because Toronto don't need a season off. The Cats don't need a season off. I mean, none of them do. But boy, it, it's not going to help their business plan.
0: Yeah, it, it, there was. There's no political motivation for a party that has no place in the West, no traction or foothold in the West. There's no, and that's where the CFL is huge. There's no political motivation to make this a big deal, and so you yeah. end up. Was that? Would Would you suggest
2: that Andrew Shear would have helped them out?
0: I think if the Conservatives okay. were in power and. Minister? Yeah, if the conservatives were in power right now and the electoral map looked exactly the same as it does, I think probably they would have found a way to get that money to them in, even if it was in the form of a loan. I absolutely do believe that, and and that's not a that's not a shot. That's a political reality. Politics in it, it, politics is part of everything. Everything is part of politics. It, it's not like decisions that are made are always done when it's government money is done for political reasons. And you're hoping that you can enhance your party's position or get votes or help people that will get votes or whatever else, but it's all, politics is, is always part of it.
2: Well, it, it is, but it, during the pandemic in all fairness, I mean, um, I never, ever thought I'd see the day when a, a politician like Doug Ford, who I've garnered tremendous respect for over the, uh, the pandemic. <clears throat> I would ever hear him praising the federal government when it's not the same color as his. So this is this is made from for some strange partnerships and coalitions. So uh, I can understand your conspiracy theory, but I still think somebody screwed the deal up somewhere for some unbeknownst to themselves and said the wrong thing. And you know you can do that. Um, I know when the Hamilton TyCats were on life support. My uh, one of my old business partners, Joe Lapsovich, was uh, he and Brian Lloyd on B and J Electric, and they they had six season tickets. And uh, like Joe said, we we couldn't give them away. Bought them for his staff and you know anybody that wants tickets. And he couldn't always give them away. And the president of the club called him next year and said he had to buy twelve because it was his duty. He went really. I got six. I can't give away. So if you frame it the wrong way, you'll offend people.
0: Yeah. Well, there you go. So that's, uh, that is the CFL season. There's a way to
2: sell it. There's a way to sell it. and Not only was sold very well.
0: CFL season not being, not happening this year. Now, a little bit of breaking news, not to do with sports. We're going to go to the news break or the, at least the, uh, the break here, not the news break, but let me give you some news. Uh, some breaking news just in the last few minutes has come out that Bill Morneau will be stepping down as finance minister and MP. So we will keep you abreast on those developments, assuming that in fact happens. But yes, Bill Morneau, again, seemingly at loggerheads with the prime minister over a number of things. Uh, he is apparently on his way out as finance minister and MP. He's leading politics altogether, the story says. We'll, we'll keep you up to date on somebody, that one. Let's take a... Sorry, go somebody, ahead, Don.
2: Somebody was, go- somebody was going down over that wee scandal.
0: Well, we'll see if this right, takes right. the heat off the prime minister because he was involved too, or if this is... Uh, you know, we'll, we'll see. We'll see if this becomes the sacrificial lamb that uh, that ends that discussion. I, I can't help but wonder if I, if you're the finance minister and COVID has happened and you've had to spend three hundred and fifty billion or whatever it is, and you're looking at the deficit and trying to arrange the finances of the country the rest of the way, whether or not there's a wee scandal or not. I can't. I wonder if you're not saying, yeah, you know what? This seems like a real good time to not have to do this anymore.
2: I wonder how many liberal MPs are shaking in their boots going. I hope he doesn't pick me to be the finance minister. <laughs> yeah.
0: Well, the rumor is that well, and we'll see, that Mark Carney is the guy that they're uh, that that may get tapped for that one. But nonetheless, like you're right. That is you're stepping into just a hideous mess to try and sort out, and I don't I don't know anybody who would want to do that.
2: Interesting uh, parliamentary system we have that permits you don't have to be elected to be the, to be a cabinet minister. I mean he could he could he could make you the minister of sports, which might not be a bad idea. I, I, I agree if I can get that salary. It it's it's the way it used to be. that uh, you didn't have to actually be uh, Bobby Kenny Bobby Bobby Kennedy rather, became the attorney general and I don't think he was an elect well, you don't you don't have to be elected to be the attorney general in the US. But Mark Carney, um, he might want to rethink that.
0: Well, and who knows if that's uh, who knows if that's who it's going to be. But boy, it's a um, it's a it's a striking bit of news. Again, nothing to do with sports, if you're wondering. But yes, it's a striking bit of news for two reasons. One is because of the deficit that whoever now has that job. Well, three reasons: the deficit that whoever has that job, you're going to have to try and deal with. And how do you get that under control without being absolutely despised across the country? Because if you raise taxes to try and get yourself back in shape, people are going to be furious. If you hack and slash at job programs or whatever, you're going to be hated. Um, The second thing is, this is assuming that Canada has done with its spending. And there are rumors that there is a disagreement between the prime minister and the finance minister about how much more money should be spent we may not be done at 350 billion as a deficit for this year. That's another issue. And then as you mentioned a moment ago before the break, is this the kind of thing that clears the palate and gets everybody off the hook for the Wii scandal? Because he and the prime minister were both named and caught up in that. Does this is he the fall guy now? Does it make everybody happy and it all is forgotten about? There's a lot of pieces with a lot of moving pieces with this announcement.
2: Two inter- two interesting things. First of all, Alex Pearson will have a heyday with this at 8 o'clock. Second of all, my guess is that when the truth comes out, it was all about the $30 million for the CFO.
0: <laughs> yeah, that's right. That, that's what it'll be. he will be thrown under the bus for $30 million after 340 or 50 was uh, <laughs> was gone. But, you know, I, I look, I, I, I don't know the answer to this. I don't think anybody does. It's just rumors that we hear of rumblings and things like that. I sincerely hope the rumors are not true that he was looking to pull back, that Morneau was looking to say, okay, enough spending. Here's where we stop it. And that others in the party were saying, no, we have to spend another 100 billion or so. I sincerely absolutely hope that that is not what this is about. A a disagreement over further spending because boy, oh boy. I mean, we're already going to be paying this money off for the rest of our life and then some. Um your, I'm your, not sure that kid, we need to be having more. Your kids, your
2: kids' grandkids aren't paying this debt off.
0: No. No. And and people don't people seem to forget or not understand because they say, well, it's just we borrow the money. It's you know, it's just we just owe money. It's just debt. Even if you're never going to pay this money back, you have to pay interest on it. And before this, before COVID, Canadians were paying $26 billion a year just in interest payments. So say two and two and a half billion dollars a month almost that we're flushing down the toilet that can't go into programs and things like that. And now I can't even do the math what it's going to cost. It's not just debt that we hold that means nothing. It's real money that we're having to pay out to support this debt that we can't do other things with. And, and it's probably going to be up to $4 million or $4 billion a month or $3.5 billion a month. That's a lot of money. Holy cow, it's a lot of money. A lot of people's friends, Stephen
2: Harper, or fans of Stephen Harper who had one balanced budget. It's hard to do. But $350 billion is a different number. And you know what I want to know is, who the hell lent us that kind of money?
0: Somebody who's more than People. happy to take $2.5 billion a month in in interest payments. I would, if I had that, okay. if I was a... A bank or whomever, or some sort of lender, and I could say I'm going to make two and a half billion dollars a month off of you. Bring it on. It would be a lot, a lot better investment to buy Apple stocks and lend it
2: to us. But anyway, that's a, that's a, that's a comment for Marvin Ryder, not me.
0: Yeah. Anyway, we'll um, we'll we'll see where this one goes. As I say, I I really hope that uh, this is not. I hope this is just a it's time to change or the we thing or some sort of small disagreement, not signifying that one of them wanted to pull in the reins a bit. And one of them wants to keep spending. I really hope because, you know, the other thing that we have talked about on the show a bunch of times, but what if we get into a second wave and now have to start the CERB all over again, again, or something else? I mean, we could, we could be another $200 billion in the hole, you know what it's. Oh, it is, it is, frankly, it is a little bit frightening. It's more than a little bit frightening. And, uh, if this is an indication somehow that there's a disagreement and the guy who wanted to control things a little bit is out. uh, And I don't know that that's the case. That's just been some of the rumblings. Boy, oh boy. Uh, hold on hold on to your butts as they say you were supposed to along with the Hamilton team you were supposed to be hosting the Allen Cup back in April that obviously didn't happen because of covid that's with the senior hockey league here in the city with the Dundas real McCoys now I'm reading on Twitter today that the Whitby Dunlops are closing up shop for a year uh, what's gonna happen with your league if you're because are you are, are you down to three teams now what happens with the league
2: Oh. Uh, well, I'm chairman of the board, so, and I do know, we do have plans <clears throat> which will be appropriately rolled out and, and, uh, but it's kind of hard to duck the question. Um, we, we won't plan if, uh, if I get my way to start till January. And there's a couple of reasons for that. First of all, we have the luxury of short, uh, shortening our season, um, and, and don't mind doing that out of respect for the pandemic. It will also give us an opportunity to see how the uh, junior leagues in the the OHA roll their process out. And the OHL, which have announced they're going to start December the 1st. And um, they have three American teams, to which I've been told by somebody that has a a player playing on one of the American teams. And this guy lives in Oakville and his grandfather has said would you bill up my grandson because the three American teams are going to play in all probability in, in southern Ontario so we'll have to see how that rolls out I don't know how the OHL and I read your article of Steve's Steve,
0: <laughs> Steve sales.
2: Um, Stales. Oh, sales. yeah and you know I don't know how I don't know how they operate without revenue from the fans but we have the luxury of being able to watch that uh, we also have the luxury that if we're going to start later to see how the schools and all that, um, happens and if that's going to create a spike in cases. And, you know, so we, we're going to take that luxury of time and, uh, do a complete analysis of it. But, you know, we don't need to start in, in November. We can wait, which we, which we will and we'll do it properly. <clears throat> and Ian Young, I had lunch with him two weeks ago. Um, he's uh, he would like someone else to operate the franchise. I was willing to help him do whatever he could because the Whitby Dunlops won an Allen Cup and a World Championship. They're an, an iconic brand in senior hockey in Canada. But Ian's chose to uh, put them on the shelf for a year. But we will be back. Uh, it won't be a three-team league. It will be at least a four-team league and perhaps better. So this this uh, slow opening, we will take advantage of the time and uh, the opportunity to uh, backfill um, the Whitby Dunlops leaving taking a leave of absence for a year.
0: It, is, it yeah. is an amazing thing with every league. Now, I mean, take the NHL and NBA and Major League Baseball out of this for a second because, I mean, they have enormous staffs with thousands of people working and plans that some work, some don't work. But I'm talking about all the... All the other leagues at a level, a step or two below that, this is, you know, we've used the word unprecedented so many times, but it doesn't change. This is, it's chaos for everybody that's running any kind of league that isn't one of those three or four biggest leagues in the world. It's complete chaos.
2: Well, they, they, we talked about the CFL at length and one of the advantages that the National Hockey League have, we talked about it before, before they even, you know, decided exactly what they were going to do. <clears throat> Though, you know, the NHL can't start on time anyway, in my opinion, they can't start in October with 20,000 people in the building. They've got to have a late start anyway. So why not try this? I think the NBA and the NHL have done a pretty credible job of pulling this off, putting players in the bubble. So on. To see the Raptors won their, their first playoff game. And so that'll move along a little better, I think, but it's, it's, I akin it and, and uh, spoke with our commissioner the other day, and I said, you know, this is kind of like trying to change the tire on a car while it's driving down the road. And a lot of them have tried. Some have been more successful than others. And we'll just have to see how it all, how it all unfolds. But we certainly have the luxury of, of uh, waiting. And you're right, unprecedented times, and you get creative, right? But our league can't operate without fans. And unless we can put a minimum of 500 people a game in the building, like the, I mean, the, I think the, uh, in Hamilton, is the, the other challenge for us and every other league around is that you're at the mercy of the local municipality to see how many people you can put in a building, in a venue. And, for example, if, if Brantford, who were into Phase 3 earlier than, than Hamilton, if they say they can put 700 people in the Brantford Civic Center, but we can only put 100 people at jail, Greitmeyer and Dave Andertruck for the Hamilton Steelhawks, those numbers don't work because we're a gate-driven league. Like we, Oddly enough, we don't have any TV revenue. But we're going to let everything settle down, and I think we're going to make a presentation to the new uh, finance minister for a $30 million interest-free loan on a promise. We'll pay it back someday, and that'll help us.
0: It may. And you may get it. Who knows? It's a new finance minister. Maybe he he or she will be feeling very uh, loose I'd with like, the purse I'd strings. Like this, I'd
2: like to see be Catherine McKenna. Swam in a Dundas pool when she was a competitive swimmer. West Hamilton, uh, a young lady that grew up there. So she'd be she'd be sympathetic. I mean, you got to play your cards. You got to figure out how to do this right. I don't think she can be finance minister, but.
0: We will see, but no, it it is, it is. These are, these are really bonkers times for all the leagues that have smaller staffs that are trying to figure this out, that have deals to work out with their cities. And as you say, rinks or arenas or whatever else, I mean, um, you know, the, the soccer team, the Canadian premier league that the Hamilton team with the forge that's now playing out East, you know, I don't know how many people are going to be paying attention to that. I don't know how many people paid attention to the basketball team in town, the honey badgers, because you know, it, you're struggling to get people in. You're trying to get people in to begin with because you're not the NHL or the NBA or Major League Soccer or Premier League. And then they throw something in front and say, well, now we're going to move you out of town and hope that people watch. And, well, you I, know, it, these are tough days. These are, I mean, look, I don't I don't envy people like you and anyone else who has to try and make this stuff work in these circumstances. Well, you look at the Honey Badgers and you look
2: at Hamilton Forge And they obviously made a calculated decision that they needed to make the financial investment because their leagues are very much in their infancy. That if they take a year off, it could be very destructive. So there's some people that are running the leagues that have said, you know, we can't afford to operate without fans. We, but more importantly, we can't, can't afford to take a year off or we're dead. So they made their investments. I don't know how substantial they were, but, you know, when you're not drawing fans and selling hot dogs, it gets expensive in a hurry.
0: Yeah, no, absolutely. Absolutely. It does. And, um, you know, we'll see the, the, the NBA and the NHL to their great credit have managed to pull this thing off. And so far that's me touching wood. Uh, so far it's, um, Covid free, pretty much, and working really well. Major League Baseball has had some issues. The UFC has, for the most part, been able to figure it out. Golf, for the most part, has been able to make it work. But those are enormous, enormous corporations with money to burn, and in many cases, and, and ways to, to work around this. Those those leagues that don't have that, it is uh, you, unlike those ones. Like Don with Major League Baseball, they're still going, but they've had a bunch of different positive tests others have as well y- y- you your league I'm pretty sure you get one crack at this if COVID is still around and somebody suddenly pops up in your league with COVID that's probably the end of the league for the year you probably don't get two or three opportunities like major league baseball
2: no but we would do the right thing I mean we've got our I mean our athletes are all all for the most part former pros they're playing because they enjoy the game they're playing for the love of the game they all have jobs and they all have families and we certainly don't have the moral high ground to not uh, ignore that. I mean, we can't ignore it. I mean, we can't jeopardize the athletes. And the interesting thing with a league like our ours is, I mean, somebody may test positive for COVID. They may not have got it anywhere near the building, but they're out. They're out. You know, they're earning a living. They have full time jobs. They may, they may get it in the community. Baseball, on the other hand, are moving from. You know, town to town, and in the U.S., where everything just seemingly is a mess. <clears throat> Major League Baseball were were inviting yep. problems yep. and issues, and the NBA and and the NHL got their athletes in bubbles. <clears throat> and to your point, they can all make the math work on TV revenue. And they're not coming back, and they're not coming back in the fall like traditionally they would. Neither league is. So if you're going to take some time off, now they have now they have a reason that uh, we can't start till December or whenever they're going to start and the NHL may even shorten the season. And both those leagues are salary, salary cap leagues, right? So money in, money out. So if the leagues if the teams aren't generating the finances, then they can't pay the players as much as they were paying them. So I don't know what you do with the salary cap. The, the team down the road will be in bigger trouble than almost anybody else because they were they were banking on the salary cap going up, so they had some more sal- salary they could spend. Like
0: they're they've tapped out.